Man, Sooner baseball continues on a heater, taking down Notre Dame last night, 6-2 in Omaha. Cade Horton was fantastic, 11 strikeouts through six innings, 3-0 in the postseason. Uh, This is the third time the Sooners have won their first two games in Omaha, and they did it back in 1951 and 1994. Both times they won the College World Series championship. So now the Sooners have two days off before playing the Notre Dame-Texas A&M winner at 1 o'clock Wednesday on ESPN. One win gets the Sooners to the championship series. Either the Irish or the Aggies would have to beat the Sooners twice to reach the finals. So uh, Oklahoma in very good shape. And, again, you just can't say enough about what they're doing. It's amazing. They Right off the bat last night, unbelievable Blake Robertson catch going into the Notre Dame dugout. Man, it looked like he was going to get a concussion or something. Pops right back up, uh, giving some early confidence uh, to Cade Horton, who's been unbelievable. Like I said, 11 Ks uh, last night. He was great. Uh, against Virginia Tech in his last outing. He was tremendous again last night. So uh, we'll talk OU baseball. We also have uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, the winner of the U.S. Open. You know, he won the USAM at Brookline and the Country Club back in 2013 before he played college golf at Northwestern. He's an Englishman, of course, but it's his first PGA Tour victory. And uh, Matt Fitzpatrick got it done yesterday at the Country Club. Uh, we do have some news. It looks like former Sooner Abe Anser is going to the Live Golf Tour. We'll talk a little bit about that later. And uh, Thursday night's huge for the Oklahoma City Thunder NBA draft. Oklahoma City with the number two pick overall uh, in the first round. They will also pick 12th in the first round, although I think they're moving up, or at least they're trying to uh, get moving on up like the Jeffersons in the draft coming up on Thursday night. So I doubt they'll be at 12. I think they'll be somewhere else. I do think they'll pick second. 12 is a question mark, and then they would pick 34 early in the second round. Parker Thune is in uh, his native state of Nebraska. He's back. How we doing? Well, I tell you what, Mike, it is great to be back with you. I think this is the first time since not last Friday, but the previous Friday that we've been on air together. I will it's crazy, tell you the isn't biggest, it? Biggest win of the day for me is that I have a voice. I might not sound a hundred percent. I, in fact, I probably don't. But I have been dealing with something, something in my throat the last couple of days. And I tell you what, I jinxed myself because last Monday on the rush with Teddy Lehman. I was talking about how I'd never lost my voice and was talking about how I'd never really struggled to get in broadcasting form uh, for any given show day. And lo and behold, over the weekend, uh, came down with something. I don't know if it's a sickness or whether it's just throat fatigue, vocal cord fatigue, whatever the case may be. But I, I definitely struggled to speak yesterday. Fortunately, seemed to sleep most of it off. And so I can talk today i am currently broadcasting live from casa del thune in omaha nebraska uh we will be uh consuming and promoting a lot of pizza on this show over the next couple days because uh we plan to be at double zero pizzeria here in omaha tomorrow tuesday and then paisan's pizzeria also here in omaha come wednesday which of course is when the sooners will face off with either texas a&m or notre dame for an opportunity to advance to the College World Series Championship Series. So, yes, uh, big win of the day is that I can talk. And big win of the <laughs> big win of the day yesterday for Skip Johnson and the Sooners is that by virtue of that victory over Notre Dame, they are now one win away from the Championship Series. Had they lost yesterday, 
they would have had to win three straight games yeah. on three straight days in order to advance. So last night was pivotal for Skip and the boys. They got it done. And, man, nobody wants a piece of this team right now, Mike. They are red hot. There is no doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, they're they're in the driver's seat in that half of the bracket. And uh, the way, way they're playing, man, I don't know if they can be stopped. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. But, again, the Sooners have two days off before the 1 o'clock matchup with either the Aggies or the Irish. And, again, either Notre Dame or A&M would have to beat Oklahoma twice to get to the finals. The Sooners only have to win, obviously, once. You know, it's interesting you say uh, you're telling me about your voice because I was in this morning cutting audio from the post game last night and I heard Parker Thune, oh you insider duck. I was like, oh that doesn't sound good. I could tell there was an issue. I mean it, that was an exaggeration, but I could tell he doesn't sound real good. He doesn't sound like himself. No, I sounded terrible last night. And <laughs> I know exactly what you're referring to. I know the que- I think I was talking to Wally Clark at that point. I was asking him a question about his safety squeeze bunt. And uh, yes, Mike, it was it was pitiful listening to myself in that microphone and that speaker. I was like, oh, boy, I I hope this is gone by tomorrow. You know what? No, you're fighting through. That's what a champion does. You fight through. You're, we're not looking at load management here or anything. You know, you're fighting through. That's what that's what winners do. All right. So the Sooners win again last night, six to two over Notre Dame. And let's hear from Skip Johnson on the win by his Sooners. Interesting stuff from Skip after the win. Well, I thought Cade really set the tone really early and took the momentum from the first inning and uh, really had a solid first inning, played really good defense, had really competitive at-bats offensively, and uh, just a team full of Davids. I mean, you look at what uh, uh, Reggie said it best in our meeting at the end. Uh, Godman coming in at the end. I mean, the guy hadn't thrown. Facing giant, he hadn't thrown in a while, come in and did what he did. And Sebastian, you know, buying his time, getting a pinch hit here everywhere. And all of a sudden, Brett Squires gets hit uh, gets hit the other day and breaks his hand. He comes in. I think our kids were more excited for those two guys than they were winning the game. And that's the culture of our team. They care for each other so much, and I'm really proud of them. Yeah, they just keep coming through. And, again, Godman coming in last night. Middle relief has been uh, a question mark for this team, and he pitched very well. Uh, you could tell how fired up he was when he got the strikeout to end the inning. And, really, Parker, the, the only thing that's gone wrong, I mean, look, you can talk about Oklahoma losing. They've lost a couple games on this path, one to Florida and, again, one to Virginia Tech. But, for the most part, they played outstanding baseball. They pitched well. They've hit well, timely hitting uh, defense has been spectacular. I mean, you think about two of the plays that stand out. Uh, Kendall Pettis there in left field. Blake Robertson last night right off the bat going into the Notre Dame dugout. I mean, they've done everything well. I know they had two runners thrown out at third base, uh, but that's kind of how they are, very aggressive. And I thought the first situation really took a perfect relay and perfect defense, great defense by Notre Dame. Most of the time, you know, that may you may get thrown out at third in that situation, like two out of ten times. But Notre Dame pulled it off and executed it perfectly. But really, the only really bad thing that's happened to Oklahoma in the postseason has been that uh, the broken hand situation again with Squires. That's well, the I'll only one what. thing you can look at and say, man, that that's not cool. Well, and even in Squires' absence, you have Sebastian Ordunio step into the lineup last night mm-hmm. and knock a double for the Sooners. So it's, it, it's the constant next-man-up mentality for this team. And we've talked about it 
It seems like for about a week and a half now, really ever since the Virginia Tech Super Regional wrapped up, the reality that there's so many different ways that this team can beat you, Mike, and you don't have to look any further than their first two games in in Omaha. They had to outslug Texas A&M on Friday. The, they needed those big swings from Jimmy Crooks and Jackson Nicholas to power them past the Aggies. But Sunday against Notre Dame, I want to say they had two extra base hits in that game. The double from Orduno, who was then thrown out trying to stretch the double into a triple, and then he had a double from Jackson Nicholas. But the Sooners can beat you with small ball. They can beat you with pitching. Or... You know what? If it comes down to it, they can put up a couple of big swings, and they can put a whole bunch of runs on the board. And so they just show this incredible amount of resilience, regardless of the situation that they're put in, such that they can beat you at your own game. Whatever game you show up to the ballpark prepared to play, Oklahoma can beat you at it. And you continue to see that more and more as this postseason run gets deeper and deeper. And again, Mike, Nobody wants a piece of this team right now. This is unquestionably the hottest team in college baseball. And at this point, it's almost a disappointment if they don't finish this off with a national title just because of how well they're playing. Yeah, and you could make a very good, a strong argument for Notre Dame also, right, coming into the game last night. I mean, they went to Knoxville and beat what everybody thought, at least, was the best team in the country in Tennessee and got it done in the third game there on the road. So Notre Dame had been red hot, but this Oklahoma team right now, they're just doing everything very well. Uh, Every facet of the game, I think, is working right now for Oklahoma, and they're on a huge roll. And again, uh, we'll see what happens Wednesday. You would expect probably Sandlin on the mound Wednesday for Oklahoma when they play again, either Notre Dame or Texas A&M. All right, our first hour is always brought to you by Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area since 2007. Call them at 405-579-3113 for all your heat and air needs. What is that? Uh, okay, on the text line, the 214 says, it's COVID because everyone I know is losing their voice and testing positive for COVID. Man, I've got a big test coming up. The kind of like TJ going on the uh, Disney cruise, and he passed. I know how paranoid he was, <laughs> you know. But they all passed the test. Got to go on the Disney cruise. We are headed to the Bahamas. We're gonna have to get the same test. And I'm just hoping, man. Please don't give me positive. See, here's the deal, Parker. When you're my age and when you're old like me, and my mom will say, "Don't say you're old, Michael," but I feel old. I guess when your your daily diet consists of mainly Hostess products and your only exercise is pretty much playing nine holes of golf in a cart every week, that could be part of it. But I feel good maybe two out of seven days a week. But I think it's just old. But this is going to be a big test coming up, a big test coming up for us here soon too. So hopefully uh, that is is going to be going in my favor. I hope so. What is Parker's punishment if he gives uh, the OU baseball team uh, the Rona? Man, hey, we don't think it's the Rona. No, we don't think it's the Rona. It can't be the Rona. It's literally just my throat. It's literally just the fact that my voice has been compromised. I have no symptoms otherwise, only throat issues, so I'm confident asserting that it's not the Rona. Moreover, I've had the Rona before, and I've also had the vaccine, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna safely conclude that it is not the Rona. And you know what? Uh, you know it's interesting, Mike. In the College World Series last year, 
it, it's funny that that listener brings it up because NC State was the team that seemed to be on the road to winning the College World Series last year, and then they had a bunch of positive tests, and the NCAA decided, you know what, we can't keep this College World Series going on track as scheduled if North Carolina State has all these positive tests. So they essentially made NC State forfeit the game, and that's how we ended up uh, with Vanderbilt and Mississippi State right. in the national title game. I believe it was those two last year. Mississippi State won their first title. I think it was Vanderbilt that they beat, if my memory serves me correctly. But, uh, no, again, barring catastrophe, this Sooners team appears to be on a collision course with a national championship trophy. And I, I think they've done their hardest work to date when you look at the bracket in the College World Series because Notre Dame was easily the hottest team that they were going to face. Texas A&M, the first draw that they got on Friday, that was a tough draw as well. The A&M five seed, yeah, they were, were the five they, seed nationally. Well, and they were one of two teams, the other being Ole Miss, that were undefeated in postseason play going into the CWS. So the first two wins are arguably the hardest ones to come by when you look at this field for Oklahoma. And so now that they've gotten those first two wins under their belt, Man, they only need to win one of their next two in order to punch their ticket to the championship series. And once they get there, and you're assuming you've got a bullpen that's close to full strength, and you've got Cade Horton throwing the ball the way he has thrown it throughout the postseason, and most notably last night, you got to like Oklahoma's chances to finish this thing out. Yeah, they're they're in a really good spot. There is no doubt about it. And uh, they're playing confidence is such a big thing, man. And whatever you do... Uh, as average of, of a golfer I, as I am, when I start hitting irons well, and it, it will last like two weeks, and then, boop, it's gone again. Because I'll do something wrong. I will do, you know, I'll get into a bad habit again. But every now and then I get into a little groove, and I'm like, man, I think I've figured this swing thing out. And I think every Oklahoma baseball player is feeling that way now. Of course, they're very athletic, and I'm old and not very athletic anymore, but – it's just a confidence thing. You know, if you're making putts, you keep making them for a while. And they're doing everything well right now. So they've got a great shot. All right. It is a Monday. When we get back, we'll go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Again, thanks to Tim Lasher. Lasher, Home Comfort Systems. You need the AC tuned up? Of course you do. It's that time of the year. Give them a call. They'll do a great job for you at a very fair price, 405-579-3113. Okay. I want to talk about Sooner fans when we get back because some people are complaining, man, all these fair-weather baseball fans. That's how it works in sports. You win, people jump on the bandwagon. But So if you're one of the hardcore OU baseball fans, I, I don't know why you'd be dogging people jump. You want as many people there in Omaha as you can get. Believe me, on the other side of the bracket, there are going to be a lot of fans. Ole Miss and Arkansas apparently are, you know, they've got great contingents there, and the Sooners have a nice contingent there. But the more people there, the better, and Skip Johns is kind of saying, come on, we need you. Come on down to Omaha, or come on up to Omaha, I guess in this case, most cases. All right, we'll break right here. It is Mike Steele along with Parker Thune. Reunited, and it feels so good, although luckily Parker is in Nebraska because he's got some kind of Husker illness that is causing his voice issues. Stay with us. We're coming right back here on The Ref. We are back, Steelman and Thune, at noon here on the home of Sooner fans. Ref Radio Network on a Monday. Hope that everybody had a great weekend. Yesterday, man, it was all sports all the time. 
U.S. Open right into OU baseball. It was uh, it was a heavy couch sitting day. A very I I think I spent at least mm, I think I started watching the U.S. Open when JT that group teed off. So it was uh, it was a pretty much a twelve hour couch day with a few t- trips to the facilities and the fridge, and that's pretty much it. It's a, it was a great Sunday. I did go see my mom, of course, on Father's Day. I lost my dad 18 months ago, so wanted to go over there and be with my mom on uh, on Father's Day and certainly miss watching the U.S. Open with my dad and playing golf with my dad. But I hope everybody had a great Father's Day. Okay, uh, Parker is with us uh, in Nebraska. He's in Omaha covering the Sooners, who will be up again next on Wednesday at 1 o'clock against the winner of the Notre Dame. Texas A&M elimination game. And then uh, the winner of that game between the Aggies and the Irish has to beat Oklahoma twice in the next round. And the Sooners need just one more victory to get to the uh, College World Series final series, which would be a best of three. Okay, back to the text line here in a minute. Tanner Treadaway, Wally Clark, talking about the situation the Sooners are in. Everybody's talking about the Cinderella story, and certainly it is a Cinderella story. But at the same time, uh, it is also a great story for Oklahoma baseball. And Treadaway and uh, Clark say, you know what, we're, we're not totally, like, shocked to be here. I think we've we've always thought that, um, you know, ever since we, we got started and, and got rolling in, in the Big 12 championship, um, you know, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, is, you know, our thing is we want to, we want to prove people wrong and, and make a statement. And, uh, you know, we were, we were able to do that in regionals and supers and, and we want to do that here. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, to us, it's kind of a, an expectation to do well. Um, and, and we're rolling right now and we're, we're going to keep riding it. Winning the national championships always been kind of the goal. And we've had that in mind from the very beginning. And it's not just a new, new idea. We've even after like a loss in a midweek game, in the front half of the season, we had talks with Skip and Reggie and everybody, and the the idea behind it was: doesn't matter. We lost here; we're still going to go win the whole damn thing. So, <laughs> there you go. There's some confidence right there from uh, Wallace Clark again, and uh, they should be confident right now. They've got to feel like they can't lose. So, uh, Oklahoma's in a very good spot right now. What do you think about? Um, you know, there are a few people out there that are, uh, yeah, I've been to the OU baseball games all year. You know, you guys are jumping on the bandwagon or well, that's what happens when you win. I don't, I don't look, there are very few people doing that, but I saw some of that on social media last night. Um, that's the nature of fandom, right? Um, yeah. OU baseball has, and, uh, you know, the hardcore fans, not a ton of them, but ever since I've been covering OU baseball and been uh, around, you know, Norman all my life, it has been, you know, if Oklahoma wins big in baseball, you draw some fans to the ballpark. If, if, if they don't and it's kind of a mediocre season, you get your hardcore fans and that's pretty much it. Um, you know, if they were playing this way all year, there would have been more fans there at Eldale Mitchell Park all year. But that's just how fandom works. Have you seen any of that, Parker, or seen any yeah, stuff I've like that? Which I, I just don't understand it. I mean, that's that's just how it works everywhere. Yeah, it's well, and it's kind of dumb too. It really is just like can can we all just enjoy the run that OU baseball is on without trying to invalidate other people's fandom? 
Because the reality is, my the baseball season is long. I'm a baseball guy. Always have been one. I played the game for years and years and years. Baseball, like, there are very few people in the media scene who have a deeper appreciation for baseball than me. And even I am willing to acknowledge that to stay engaged with any team over the course of an entire baseball season can be grueling sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> and this is just the nature of baseball as compared to other sports, right? In football, you have 12 regular season games a year. In basketball, you've got like 30. Baseball, when you're talking about college baseball, the season lasts close to 60 games. When you're talking about the MLB, the season lasts 162. And so to stay tuned in and to stay engaged with the sport of baseball over the course of an entire season requires a great degree of commitment. And you know what? People have other things going on in their lives. And so I understand it. I understand that there are people, that there are fans who are just now starting to really get hyped and tuned in with OU Baseball. And I feel like that should be cause for celebration, Mike. That means that Skip and the boys are doing something really, really special. No doubt. And they're galvanizing the fan base. And for them to be one win away from Omaha, here's, here's what I can tell you, Mike. Sooner Nation already traveled very well for the CWS's opening weekend. I mean, they traveled very well. But now... With the Sooners one win away from locking in a spot in the championship series, you're going to see more and more crimson pour into Omaha over the next several days as the Sooners get closer and closer and closer to that elusive national title. So, yeah. Well, and again, on the text line, by the way, interesting because uh, the texter's right. This really started because Peyton Graham said last night something about OU fans finally showing up. I didn't think it was really that derogatory. He said, you know, we've got our hardcore 200 fans or so. Um, you know, I'm sure those guys would love to play for more fans, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I think that's just, again, you're right. You know, you've got to be heavily invested. It's mainly hardcore baseball fans who, you know, and, and OU baseball fans that want to get out to the ballpark. Um, you know, I know a few of those. But the competition for the entertainment dollar, and that's the entertainment dollar, is more <laughs> more competitive than it's ever been. And particularly when you feel like there is a – there's not an element of this is really big. Even if it's, a, if it's a series, if it's Bedlam or Texas, something like that, you have that feeling. But if, you know, uh, Texas Tech comes to town, and I know they've been good, but it, there's just not that element of a lot of drama during the regular season. So, But it's always been that way. I mean, with OU baseball, if you really, really win, they will show up in pretty good numbers during the regular season. But they're not going to fill Mitchell Park. I mean, it's very rare. There are some places that do that. Arkansas fans show out, right? Other places show out. But um, it just hasn't been that way at OU. And it's, it's that way with Oklahoma basketball, too. You have to win really big to fill the Lloyd Noble Arena. I can remember. And, and Mike. Yeah, go well, ahead. And let me just interject here because it's not just baseball and basketball that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. This is this – is, this is not something that anybody wants to reminisce upon, but it was the same deal with the football program for many years, right? Well, I shouldn't say for many years. For several years, when John Blake was the head coach, 
attendance was down mm-hmm. at Sooner home football yep. games. And you know why? It's because they sucked. If you win, people show up. If you lose, your attendance starts to dwindle. That is the nature of the beast. Yeah, it even it even uh, did affect the OU football monster. You're right. I can remember some of the John Blake crowds and thinking, man, I can't believe this is Oklahoma football. This is this looks this looks un. You know when uh, you know maybe sixty percent of the stadium was full for a couple games, which was just absolutely crazy. But also, Tyler and I talked about this: uh, the nature of fans, and not just at OU, but at most places, it's that way. And really, well, why would you talk more OU baseball? Because not as many people want to talk more OU baseball. That's just the way it is. There are two sports that OU fans will talk about now year-round, and we talked about it. Obviously, Oklahoma football. I mean, that, that's never going to change. Never going to change. And now, OU women's softball. You can do that, too. There's, there's not as much, uh, you know, as a fever for softball as there is for football. But you know what? There, it's still a pretty raging fever for Oklahoma softball right now. Uh, people want to talk about it. And everything else, it kind of depends on if you're winning, something crazy happens, or if you make a run to Omaha. That's just how it's been. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, football was bad for 10 years before Bob Stoops fixed things. Yeah, it was It was not up to standards, that's for sure. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, baseball is competing with softball. Yeah, that's, that's certainly an element. If you're making a choice between, you know, let's look at our budget – do we want to do OU baseball or OU softball? People want to go softball. Softball, I mean, Oklahoma is the program right now, women's college softball. So, yes, people are going to drift in that direction. What changed for me with OU baseball was when I purchased Sooner TV for the first time, so it allowed me to watch them more than normal. Yeah. Like I said, there are many more options, and that's one of the things down the road as we get ready to go to a break. I'm going way over here is people are also becoming more comfortable in their own homes watching a sporting event. Because, number one, you can see it. So many of the games weren't televised. Now you got ESPN Plus or any app, you are going to be able to see just about any game you want. And you see it normally on a really nice TV, big screen TV. It's not like your old console back in the day when I was growing up. It's a totally different situation. And uh, like I said, man, if you're in promotions or marketing, even if you're a great sports school like the University of Oklahoma, it's challenging, man. It's very challenging because people have so many ways they can spend their money now, so many more options, so many more. Forget about TV channels, streaming options. Um, There's just so much more competition out there. Anyway, I want to turn the uh, attention of this show in the direction of OU football when we get back. We've got Parker in Nebraska. He's in Omaha where the Sooners will play next on Wednesday at 1 o'clock against Notre Dame or Texas A&M. And again, the Sooners will only have to win one more game to get to the College World Series final. Let's take a break right here. Mike Steely, Parker Thune on the home of Sooner fans. It is the Ref Radio Network. Stay with us. Okay, it is a Monday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune, Connor Pasby running the show for us. Good to have you along. And uh, you can always reach out to us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Or you can uh, ring us up if you want, old school, on the Riverwind Casino hotline, 405-329-9000. Speaking of Riverwind, another great turnout for Beats and Bites over the weekend. Everclear, Sister Hazel, Deep Blue Something. 
Uh, so we're halfway through the summer Beats and Bites schedule at Riverwind. Next up is a show July 9th. You can get your country on. Randy Rogers Band coming up July 9th, followed by a fireworks spectacular. So, uh, again, get your tickets online at riverwind.com. That's riverwind.com. They're only 5 bucks for each individual ticket. You will also have all the greatest local food trucks out there, retail vendors, games for the kids. It's a great amount of uh, fun outdoors. And, again, you get the fireworks display right after the Randy Rogers Band show on July 9th. And then one final show uh, to wrap up the season July 30th with uh, Scotty McCreary. Again, get tickets for all of these shows right now at riverwind.com or at the box office right inside the casino by the Showplace Theater. They're only 5 bucks a piece. Baseball attendance and overall fan support will increase once they join the SEC. So many great programs. Also, once Mitchell Park renovations are complete. That would help. There's no doubt. You always, because of the stuff we talked about, Parker, people, I can sit in, you know, on my patio and watch Oklahoma football on a big screen and have the grill there and enjoy the outdoors. When it's cold, I've got a nice setup also. Uh, you don't have to worry about parking. You don't have to worry about a bunch of other potential headaches. You've got to make the fan experience better and better and better. And you better be thinking about that, that too. Because fans can get very comfortable watching these games at home. Now, with Oklahoma football, when they're going great, that's never an issue. But, you know, also I think the fan experience is something that needs to improve uh, with OU baseball. And, I, I like what they're doing, throwing out, you know, the uh, the artist renderings last week and throwing this project out there. Now's the time to do it. <laughs> when else would you do it? So I think the fan experience is very important, too. And there is some Big 12 fatigue. I have no doubt about that. But what about the statement about the SEC move and uh, renovations changing the game? Yeah, you know, I think the reality is yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Mike, in that there is a financial investment required from every fan when you attend a sporting event live in person. Right? And so when you make the move to the SEC and you have a conference that's much more bought in across the board with regard to baseball, and that's not to knock on the Big 12 because the reality is TCU has an excellent program, Texas Tech has an excellent program, Texas has an actual, uh, has an excellent baseball program historically as well, but... The buy-in across the board from an athletic standpoint in the SEC is just so much higher that by default, Oklahoma is going to have to raise their standards in terms of the fan experience, in terms of facilities. And you're beginning to see that with the announcement, uh, I believe it was Friday, that, hey, there are going to be enhancements coming to Eldale Mitchell Park. There are going to be ancillary facilities added. The overall baseball experience at Oklahoma is going to be improved upon. And so... That is an excellent way to manufacture additional buy-in from your fan base, make their experience more well-rounded, and improve it to the point where you know, you can go out to a baseball game on a Tuesday night. And it's not just about watching a really good team play ball, but it's about getting to enjoy the amenities of an outstanding facility and ballpark. So... I think when the S, when the move to the SEC happens, obviously you're going to see a lot of money poured in all across the board in order to improve the overall fan experience athletically at Oklahoma, regardless of the sport. But 
I think baseball is one of those sports where you look at what they've done this year, you look at what Skip and this team have been able to do, and you conclude that, okay, they did themselves a huge favor with this run because a run like this, a potential championship run like this, is going to get people bought into the sport much more so than they have been historically. And you're going to see donors more willing to fork over money to enhance the baseball experience for a team that is pr- continually proving that they're capable of going toe-to-toe with the big boys in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've got that momentum right now. You've got to uh, you know, try and uh, get as much money in as you can to get that facility, uh, the ball rolling on that, because you're definitely going to need that. You need it now anyway, but particularly with the move to the SEC, you really need it. All right, Oklahoma Johnny also says, uh, I think when Oklahoma gets to the SEC, you'll see attendance of baseball games go up when you have LSU and Georgia come to town as as opposed to Texas Tech or Kansas. So, yeah, a lot of people think in the SEC move will change the dynamic as well. How important is it for outside influences like Trey Young, Dylan Gabriel, Kyler Murray, and Brent Venables to come and support our athletic programs? How much does that play and affect their performance? What do you think? That's on well, the text line, obviously. I think it certainly has an impact, to be sure. But the reality is winning cures all ills. Like That's what it boils down to at the end of the day is winning. And so if Oklahoma baseball is winning at an elite clip and Skip and the Sooners are doing that right now, people are naturally going to care, and you're going to get people bought it, regardless of whether Oklahoma finishes off this title run or not, Mike, regardless of whether they are hoisting the hardware in Omaha a week from today. There is going to be heightened interest in Oklahoma baseball come next spring because everybody's going to be eager to see what they're going to do on the heels of this outstanding postseason run in the year 2022. So they have already accomplished so much more than anybody thought they were going to accomplish this season, and they've already set themselves up for the future so much better than they otherwise would have if, say, they had lost that final game of the Gainesville Regional against Florida or uh, you don't even you don't even have to rewind that far. Go back to the Super Regional. If Oklahoma doesn't make the College World Series and they lose in Game 3 to Virginia Tech, are people buzzing right now about the future of Oklahoma baseball? Probably not as much as they are, given the reality that the Sooners have now won two games in Omaha or one win away from the championship series at the College World Series and are going to enter 2023 with a definite chance to defend their Big 12 crown and with a definite chance to return to Omaha. Because one of the things that I don't feel like we've talked about enough, you look at this roster, sure, Tanner Treadaway's a super senior. You're going to lose him. Maybe Peyton Graham goes to the MLB draft. Um, maybe you lose a guy like Trevin Michael after the season he's had. But there's so much youth across the board when you look at this team. Wallace Clark's a freshman. Jackson Nicholas is a freshman. Uh, Kendall Pettis, a redshirt sophomore. John Spikerman has come on strong, playing an outstanding defensive right field and batting leadoff for Oklahoma. He's a freshman as well. So there is so much youth on this team, which lends so much optimism that this isn't going to be a flash in the pan. This might be the new direction. This might be the new standard for Oklahoma baseball. 
Yeah, and and I love it for Skip Johnson, uh, such a down to earth guy. You know, I, I love his uh, his just the way he goes about his business, and uh, you know, just kind of the country isms that you hear. And he's an outdoorsman. He's a bit, you know, he's just seems like a really good dude, and uh, I think people are really uh, happy for him. Uh, baseball people, college baseball people, all those years with Augie, he mentions Augie quite a bit. But uh, the job that he's done has just been phenomenal. And their approach, I like their approach, man. Look, they were aggressive again last night. And uh, like I said, in in the first, uh, you know, uh, first situation at third base, getting thrown out, I, that took a perfect uh, defensive play, great relay by Notre Dame. Most of the time, you're going to be safe in that situation. Second situation, uh, just being aggressive, doing what they do, putting pressure on the defense. I like that approach. They've been doing that all year. So, and I think they'll continue to do that. All right, let's break right here. Mike Steely here in the Brown O'Haver Studios on a Monday. Hope you're doing all right. We've got Parker in Nebraska struggling a little bit with his voice, but man, He's a warrior. He is a warrior fighting through. Right? Yeah, you know he is. All right, break time. We'll come back. And uh, I do want to talk a little sooner football again when we get back. Keep it here. All right, we are back on a Monday. Thank you again to Tim Lasher, his great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, for sponsoring our first hour here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Whether you're looking to repair, replace, or maintain your AC system, call Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They've uh, been family-owned and operated for 15 years. Servicing the uh, greater Oklahoma City area, you can call them up at 405-579-3113 for all of your heat and air needs. Uh, Parker, you probably get this a lot more than I do because you're more plugged in with recruiting and everything now. You're covering games. I'm observing games. I used to cover the games, too, and do the postgame and the pregame and cover recruiting as well, not as extensively as you did. It was a different day and age back then, but I know what it can be like. But I still get texts from Oklahoma fans, and sometimes you're watching TV at night and like, what do you think of our, our recruiting hall so far? And I'm like – I'll answer them, but a lot of the times, like, I'm thinking, Dude, I, you know, we have a show. You can subscribe to OU Insider, you know. But I can only imagine the amount that you get. But I get a text uh, the other night from a friend of mine who said, a little bit worried about our football recruiting. Just out of the blue, of course, they come out of the blue. OU has lost its sex appeal with Lincoln gone. Now great offensive players don't want to play for OU or defensive coordinator, defensive coordinators who become head coaches. And I'm like, um, okay, so you remember Adrian Peterson, right? Uh, you know, Red Bomar was a five-star when, when he signed. Didn't work out. But they just got a commitment from Caleb Hicks. It's like, I'm like, I wanted to say that's one of the dumbest takes of all time. But I'm like, I don't think you need to worry about anything was pretty much how I answered it. But – this narrative, I, I don't know. I'm like, are you serious? Look, Lincoln has been known as, you know, the offensive guru. And, yes, the the offenses at OU have been pretty sexy overall. There have been, you know, there has been some drop-off. A lot of that happens with quarterback play, of course, but offensive line play. Uh, there were times when I was baffled when he wouldn't uh, uh, would abandon the running game, that kind of thing. Uh, where you're like, why aren't they trying to run the football anymore? But, I mean, that's just – that take is completely crazy. 
They already have a five-star quarterback in the upcoming class, and they just got a four-star running back. Yeah, again, Mike, you, and you just touched on it right there. How are you going to say that when the Sooners have a five-star quarterback committed in the 2023 cycle? And look, if wide receiver is the position that you're worried about right now, the wide receivers are going to start coming. The Sooners lead for Jaquazi Petaway, who's a top 50 overall prospect nationwide at the wide receiver position. Uh, the word is he's not too far off from a commitment, and the Sooners appear to be in the best shape. The Sooners already have Keon Brown, the four-star wideout out of Tallahassee, Florida, locked down. They, they, they nabbed his commitment over Alabama, over Florida State, over Auburn, over several other high-end programs that were vying for his commitment. They get Caleb Hicks out of Denton. Now the question becomes, can they get his teammate at Denton Ryan, the number one overall linebacker in the 2023 class, that being Anthony Hill. And so, yeah, it's I, – I understand that it's all too easy to go the chicken little route with this type of thing, Mike, but I am so completely unworried, and I think if you follow recruiting in detail – and you really understand the ins and outs of this cycle thus far, you realize that Oklahoma is going to be just fine on the offensive side of the ball when this cycle wraps. There are plenty of high-end prospects Mm -hmm. that they're in the mix for, that they're going to get when all is said and done, and that they're going to add to what is already an impressive crew of skill position players on the offensive side of the ball. And and that text coming, you know, just after Jackson Arnold just got a five-star, after they just got Caleb Hicks, and they love the Keon Brown kid, who is apparently fantastic at the camp, who just committed. Crazy. All right, we'll break right here. We've got another hour to go. More Sooner baseball, more Sooner football, more of your texts. Keep it here. We are back, and we're back together. I am here inside the Brown O'Haver Studios, and we got Parker in uh, Omaha, where the Sooners will play again on Wednesday at 1 o'clock. On ESPN, you'll hear it on Sports Talk uh, 1400 coming up Wednesday with the pregame show beginning at 1230. Oklahoma will play against uh, either A&M or Notre Dame again, and the, the either the Aggies or the Irish are going to have to beat Oklahoma twice uh, to get to the championship series, and the Sooners only need one more win to get there. So welcome in on a Monday, our second hour presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. And great service after the sale. It's the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. And again, that unbelievable guarantee oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Let's hear from Skip, Skip Johnson. You know, the Sooners, again, they got thrown out twice in one inning at third base last night. And I know a lot of the baseball purists, that, that can't happen. Well, you don't like seeing it happen. Notre Dame had to get put together a perfect relay to get the first one. Second one, not so much. But the Sooners, again, they've been aggressive on the base pass all year. They continue to attack. And Skip Johnson says the Sooners are going to continue to be aggressive. Yeah, I mean, that's our identity is to try to create as much chaos as we can on, on the offensive side. And our, our pitching's gotten a little bit better every time we went out. And I think our pitching, our, our offense has really helped our pitching. It's kind of helped those guys just continue to attack. And our defense has gotten better. We, we talk about getting better weekly. Um, I can remember Coach Greedo talking about the team that gets the most comfortable when they get here, they play good. And, uh, um, and we've kind of played our two games real aggressive. I mean, it's like I said, I was real, you know, we talked at the end and, and Reggie said, you know, 
really proud of those two kids that, I mean, Godman and what Sebastian Ordonez did was pretty incredible coming back. And I kept telling uh, uh, Godman, he had, I mean, he's got a really good arm. He's really talented. And I kept, hey, finish the race, man, finish the race, continue to grow. And uh, pretty selfless to him to go out there and, and do what he did tonight. There you go. Skip Johnson after the Sooners' victory 6-2 to two over Notre Dame last night in Omaha. And speaking of defense, you saw the Blake Robertson catch right off the bat. First hitter for Notre Dame. He goes into the Irish dugout, goes over the railing, uh, nearly landed right on the top of his head. Man, when he made that catch, I'm thinking, man, he could be knocked out. This doesn't look good. But he made the catch, popped right up, had a smile on his face, and the Sooners were off and running. Cade Horton struck out 11 and six innings. He's been doing great on the mound lately for OU. That's an understatement. Horton talked about the Robertson catch and how that got the Sooners off to a nice start. That was a spectacular play. Um, and I feel like I'm honestly at this point starting to get spoiled by uh, all these great catches. But no, that did settle me down and, and um, make me more comfortable. Uh, this defense behind me is, is incredible. Um, Wally's always making plays, Tanner's making plays, KP, um, Blake tonight, PG. They, they all make great plays for me and, and that, that makes it easy um, to challenge up the hitter. There you go. And, uh, man, Parker, you can make an argument. Uh, the two best catches in college baseball this year have been the Kendall Pettis catch in Blacksburg and then the uh, the Blake Robertson catch last night in Omaha. Well, I don't know about all that, but I would say the two most impressive defensive plays of the Sooners season are probably those two. Um, by the way, Tanner Treadaway had himself a gem last night mm-hmm. to lay yeah. out to rob that base hit in the eighth inning to keep – Notre Dame from putting together a late rally. Uh, But again, Mike, it goes back to how well this team is playing in every facet of the game. And that's one thing that Notre Dame head coach Link Jarrett said in postgame last night. He said, look, they outplayed us in every single facet. Defensively, at the plate, on the base paths, uh, as far as the pitching was concerned, the Sooners are a very well-rounded baseball team right now. And they don't make mistakes. That's the thing. And what and one of the things that I had talked to Wally Clark about in post game was how the safety squeeze bunt that turned into two runs and three bases for him, I believe it was in the fifth inning, uh, was really emblematic of this team's approach as a whole. Uh, therein, you're simply executing your job and you're waiting for the opponent to blink. That's exactly what happened on that play for Wally Clark. He puts down this. Uh, he puts down the squeeze bunt. The Sooners get a run home. Notre Dame decides to cut their losses and throw to first base. The throw is errant. Clark ends up all the way around at third base, and the Sooners played another run on that play. That's really what it's about for this Oklahoma baseball team. And, you know, that's, uh, that's another thing that Link Jarrett touched on, that he said Oklahoma beat them at last night was making the opponent make mistakes. Link Jarrett pointed out the fact that his team struck out 14 times against the Sooners pitchers. He said, look, when you're not putting the ball in play, when you're not at least giving the opponent a chance to make a mistake, then you're going to lose a baseball game. And for the Sooners, what they're doing quite effectively, I might add, is they're putting their opponent in positions where – there's an opportunity for them to make a mistake. And 
that's about all you can ask for for a team this late in the process, uh, this late in the season in Omaha, is when you're playing inspired ball and you're doing all the little things correctly, things are going to fall into place for you. And they have and they are for this Sooner baseball team. By the way, Link Jarrett to me sounds like a 70s teen idol. Like, uh, you know, a young singer, Link Jarrett, like Sean Cassidy back in the day or Davy Jones of the month. Link Jarrett, again, he just sounds to me like a, a pop idol. But baseball coach at Notre Dame and has been doing, obviously, a very good job. By the way, what did you think of uh, Notre Dame's unis? They look like pajamas, Mike. I That's thought they were spade spade horrible. Here. I mean, I kind of like the the gold, you know, batting helmets again, like they do. You know, the Notre Dame's football helmets are just so plain and so great. But that, I don't know. It, it just looked horrible, I thought. Not a fan. Yeah, they, they, they look like pajamas, Mike. And hopefully we don't have to see that uniform combination from Notre Dame again. So the atmosphere in Omaha, are you seeing what I'm hearing? A lot of Ole Miss, a lot of Arkansas fans. How How is the Sooner contingent comparing with the other fan groups up there? Well, I'll tell you what. I think Notre Dame fans traveled the best, at least really? initially, for opening weekend. Yeah, I was very surprised by that, too, is because, you know, every year you see a whole lot of Ole Miss fans, a whole lot of Arkansas fans in general. When there is an SEC team in Omaha, that team's fan base travels very well. But I was very surprised, Mike. And, yeah, look, I I said I'll stand by it. I think Notre Dame's fans traveled the best for opening weekend. Now, again, because Oklahoma is 2-0 and and because they're on the verge of punching their ticket to the championship series with a win on either Wednesday or Thursday, I do think you're going to start to see more and more Sooner fans show up. And, you know, I've had I've had conversations with Sooner fans. I've had Sooner fans hit me up on social media and say, "Hey, I'm on my way to Omaha. Let's keep this thing rolling." And so, for Oklahoma, I think you will start to see more and more fans show up, trickle in, and wear their crimson and cream in support of the Sooners out at Charles Schwab Field throughout the week. And this is the nature of the beast in Omaha, Mike, as you have the likes of. Texas drop out of contention early in the College World Series. Those fans are going home. And as teams like Oklahoma and Ole Miss and I'm trying to think who else, who else on the other side of the bracket won, Arkansas won as well. Mm-hmm. As you start to see teams like those get deeper and deeper into the bracket and inch closer and closer to a championship, you're going to have more and more fans put their – work schedules and their plans to the side in order to make the advent to Omaha to watch their team compete at the College World Series. So, yeah, I think you'll start to see a a larger and steadier stream of OU fans make their way to Omaha in the coming days, and there should be a very vocal Crimson contingent in attendance on Wednesday when the Sooners take the field again. And again, that will be at 1 o'clock on Wednesday against the winner of the game coming up tomorrow, the elimination game between uh, Notre Dame and Texas A&M. So the Longhorns got bounced in two games. That was uh, interesting. That will not be a very fun offseason for Texas, although getting to Omaha was unbelievable for Texas. But still, to lose to the Aggies like that, be bounced by Texas A&M, uh, could not have been fun. So what about the uh, – what it is? are you and Travis still hanging out? Are you showing him the sights, or are you too ill? Uh, well, no, I'm not. Here's the thing, Mike. I'm not ill. Like, 
it's literally just my voice that is affected. So I'm not feeling under the weather. I feel fine. I just can't talk. Isn't it so frustrating when that happens? It it is very frustrating because I'm like, just let me live a normal life, and whatever is going on in my throat won't allow that to happen. So, uh, But, no, Travis is staying on the other side of town. Uh, He is hanging out with several other diehard Sooner fans that made the trip up and uh, decided to squat up for the weekend or however long Oklahoma is going to be here. So uh, I think we're going to plan to go out and see Cade McIntyre tomorrow morning, the new Sooner commit out of Fremont, Nebraska. And then obviously uh, we'll both be in the press box Wednesday as Oklahoma takes on either Notre Dame or Texas A&M. Uh, but, yeah, Travis and I, we pretty much will overlap on game days at the College World Series, but when there's no action, uh, he'll kind of he'll, he'll go hang with the Sooner Super fans that are in town, and uh, I head back to my house to hang with my family. So Nothing wrong with that, especially on Father's Day weekend, so it worked out well for you, except for the boys' part. But, yeah, when, you, when you've got a boys that so you're like, man, I could lose this at any minute, and you've got to do a bunch of radio, it's frustrating because been there, done that, because you're thinking at any minute. I've had this happen a lot, but I've never lost my voice. Never. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I'm a dinosaur, man. I've been doing this for 40 years. But I've been in your spot where you think, man, I probably shouldn't even be talking right now. But so far, your information is outstanding. The voice, I'd still say it's a good 7 out of 10, so you're good. You're good. All I'll right. take 7 out of 10. Yeah. Yesterday I was at like a 3 out of 10. So I hear you. 7 out of 10 is definitely a step up. Okay, also uh, DM on Twitter. Steely, who are your favorite players back during uh, the Enos days? That would be Enos Seymour, the OU coach. I called a couple years. Uh, it was a much different situation with the baseball program. We were just doing games. Uh, there was a network, but it wasn't like as big a production uh, as it is now. But, uh, you know, I, a bunch of them, man. I, I can't tell you. You know, the, the weird deal was I was pretty much their age or maybe a little bit older. So it was kind of like hanging out with uh, classmates. So Bobby Witt I thought was great. Bobby, of course, his son now, of course, one of the best young players, uh, you know, in, in the big leagues now. A big-time prospect. But Bobby Witt was great. Uh, Jeff Kay, Rusty McGinnis. Guys like that back in the day. I came after a little after Ray Hayward and those guys. But And I love Coach Seymour. He was awesome. Uh, but probably the one I was closest to would be Steve Peters out of Moore. Uh, 17-0 his last year at OU. And uh, didn't have, like, couldn't throw it 100 miles an hour, but always had great stuff, was super mature for his age. And... He ended up going uh, into the big leagues. He uh, started with the Cardinals organization. He was a, he's still in Moore, and he was a firefighter in Moore for a long time and, uh, you know, coaching kids in baseball and giving lessons and stuff like that. Great dude. And I can remember Steve was just a great guy. So probably would be uh, Steve Peters first and then Bobby Witt back in the day. But those, those, were, those days seemed like, man, that was a different era. But bus trips were fun, and I loved – uh, Coach Seymour, just the best. All right, we'll break right here. On a Monday, Mike Steely along with Parker Thune. I'm here in the Brown O'Haver Studios. You can ring us up, by the way. We have a phone line. If you want to go old school, climb that telephone pole and use the rotary phone, too. You can do that, 405-329-9000. That is our Riverwind Casino hotline. When we get back, we've got a bunch of texts on recruiting we'll answer as well. Air Comfort Solutions, tax line 
34-39. Stay with us here on The Ref. It is a Monday. Hope everybody had a great Father's Day weekend. 405-651-3439. Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-329-9000. And uh, again, that is our Riverwind Casino hotline. 405-329-9000. Auburn and Stanford are playing now an elimination game. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, the the loser of the game will be obviously uh, outs. Obviously talking about AM Notre Dame. But yeah, in two be right with semantics, yes. Auburn and Stanford underway, just underway in the uh, 1 o'clock game in Omaha. Okay, let's get to all the guys that – okay, wow, that's a lot of names. Parker said we led for Cozart, Burrell, Wisner, Hale, Mikeska, Kilgore, Sanders, Job, and Tease at one point – Nobody is jumping off ships, but it's a fair question. Uh, the trend, not counting Green, Petaway, Kirkland, and Smothers, are the only offensive blue chips left on the board. Hard to land those, or this have to land those, or this offensive class is an L. Okay, what do you think? Okay, Mike, hang on. Can we hit those names one at a time again? So. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cozart, Burrell, Wisner, Hale, Mikeska, Kilgore, Sanders, Job, and Tease. Okay, so <laughs> let me run. Uh, I, and I'll give the spark notes on each of those. But uh, obviously, Cozart was a Pacific Northwest guy. Uh, he wanted to keep taking visits. He wanted to go back home and visit Oregon. Venables wanted Cozart to decommit. If that was to happen, so Ashton Cozart said, okay, I'll decommit, and ended up committing to Oregon. Nothing you can really do about that. Uh, Wisner was one of the biggest bombshells of this recruiting cycle. Uh, that one turned left in a hurry for Oklahoma. Nobody, and I mean nobody, uh, had, could have foreseen his commitment to Texas. So. That felt like a big NIL promise or something, didn't it? Yes. Because that uh, just, boom, that that was a, like a, you're right, a 360. Yeah, as far as Samaje Burrell, that's another one that was interesting. And the the most concise way I could put it is he was not a cultural fit at Oklahoma. He liked Oklahoma. There was a time when Oklahoma liked him. But after he took the visit and got the chance to interact with the staff, they kind of just decided to mutually part ways. With Jalen Hale, yeah, Oklahoma was in the driver's seat for Jalen Hale at one point. That was never really as plausible. It's still on the table, but not quite as plausible once the staff turned over. Uh, Jalen Kilgore, it, look, you got to give credit to Shane Beamer and his staff at South Carolina for being able to turn the tides in Jalen Kilgore's recruitment because he was favoring Oklahoma. But with South Carolina having that close-to-home pull, in addition to the juice that they've been able to accumulate on the recruiting trail over the last couple of weeks in particular, uh, that was big. Is there anybody else on that list that, like, uh, people are, Well, What's going Mike on with Mike Yeah, so he committed to Miami Sunday night. Mm. So and That again, one that flew was, by me. Yeah, and that was a situation where, uh, look, he decommitted from Clemson because of Oklahoma. He decommitted from Clemson so that he could take the visit to Oklahoma. But after he did take the visit to Oklahoma, decided to make the rounds and at least check out Miami and Florida. And look, the Miami visit blew him away. With a program like that, with Miami's 
uh, history of producing NFL tight ends. If there is a tight end you in college football, Miami and Iowa are probably the two schools that can lay claim to it. So, again, this is not a dig at Oklahoma's ability to recruit or Oklahoma's prestige as an institution, but at the end of the day, sometimes there are other schools that are going to have more pull for a certain player based on their position or based on the tradition at that institution. So, look, these are the kinds of things that happen in recruiting, right? Stuff goes left all the time. Perfect example is with Micah Tease and By Joe, right? By Joe got slow played by the old Oklahoma staff, and in the meantime, he developed really solid relationships with the staffs at Vanderbilt and Georgia and Alabama and Miami. With Micah Tease, the Oklahoma staff wanted him at uh, defensive back. He wanted to play wide receiver, and so they kind of clashed in that regard. These are the things that happen in a recruiting cycle, Mike. All right. Uh, also, you, we can't keep losing the Luke Hazes of the world and settling for Caden McIntyre's. Uh, that's an L no matter how you spin it. What do you think? I mean, would you – whoa, my voice just major cracked. <laughs> oh, that's the struggle. That's the struggle right there, Mike. But, no, look, with Luke Haz, he always had, he always had family ties to Arkansas and – Lincoln Riley was always his guy. Once Lincoln Riley was out the door, it was pretty evident that Lucas was going to go to Arkansas, and there wasn't really much that Oklahoma could do to change that reality. With Cade McIntyre, you get a guy that you believe in and that you think is an athlete that can help your program, regardless of where he ultimately slots in. He's more of a wide receiver than a tight end at this point. But at six foot four, two hundred and five pounds, four point five forty yard dash, right? He's got all the tools. And is he under-recruited at this point? Probably. He had some P5 looks. Minnesota, Kansas State, Nebraska, the like. And so is he the same talent that Luke has is? Not, no, not necessarily. But does he fit your scheme better? I think in the long run that could turn out to be the case. And I think Cade McIntyre could have a collegiate career that's comparable to the one that Luke has will have at Arkansas because of – how much more significantly he's going to be used in the Oklahoma offense as compared to what Luke has is going to get playing tight end at Arkansas. All right. Also from the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Appreciate all the texts rolling in today. The Notre Dame uniforms were from the new Sleepwear by Dickies collection. All right, Parker, any thoughts on Arch Manning's long-term projections? Is it just hype due to his last name, or is he actually a generational talent? I know he is trending Texas. How would that affect the head-to-head recruiting for OU? Oh, this is this is a fun one, Mike. <laughs> and, yeah, look, at this point, it looks like the Longhorns are in the driver's seat to land Arch Manning. What kind of an impact does that have? I don't know, but – I'll, I'll say this about Arch Manning. I've said it before on Locked In with Tyler McComas. He is a good quarterback. I don't want to take that away from him. If he had a last name that was anything other than Manning, he would not be a five-star. And he certainly would not be the number one overall prospect in this recruiting class. So with that in mind, I think because of the pull that his last name carries, yeah, he's going to have a distinct ability to recruit his peers And if he commits to Texas, that will certainly favor Texas. They will assemble 
a pretty dang good recruiting class if they get Arch Manning. I would figure that their recruiting class has a chance to be top five in the country if they can get Arch and he can continue to accumulate talent around him, particularly at the skill positions. But you also got to consider the reality, Mike, that this is still Texas we're talking about. Regardless of how much talent that they have accrued on the recruiting trail over the last decade, it has never materialized in any semblance of success on the actual gridiron. Yeah, and uh, again, there are uh, there's a situation where I think you're going to have to believe in player development too with Brent and this staff. And that's not going to, I'm not sitting here telling you there are going to be, there's already a five star in Jackson Arnold. I think you're going to have a really good class. It sounds like again in 2024. And I think the 2023 class will close well, but uh, player development is also what it's all about. And these guys are also recruiting to their system and players that they like uh, fitting in their culture and the system. So that's part of it as well. See, it's amazing. Sometimes when you get the five stars and they don't pan out, well, I re- wish we would recruit some kids who really cared about OU that fit. And then all of a sudden you don't get maybe as many four or five stars. And it's so early to even evaluate anything with this staff so far recruiting-wise. Uh, but then it becomes, where are all the four or five stars, right? Either way. So it's going to be interesting, I think, uh, to see how Oklahoma closes with this class, uh, the 2023 class. And, again, they did a great job. And, you know, Bob Stoops did a fine job putting that uh, effort in down the stretch last year to keep, you know, the class together last year, which ended up being, again, we thought, man, what did they drip? I think they dipped to like 21 or something at one point, and they came back and finished with a top 10 class. Okay. We will get to more texts when we get back. We've got a lot of things happening. Sooner Baseball, 1 o'clock Wednesday against either Notre Dame or Texas A&M. And again, the Sooners need just one more win to advance to the College World Series final. Matt Fitzpatrick played great, particularly from Tito Green. That shot on 18 was unbelievable yesterday. Will Zalatoris, again, another runner-up finish in a major championship. That's three of the last seven for Will Zalatoris, where he hasn't won, but he's been the runner-up. Uh, in the Masters, the PGA, and now the U.S. Open. And uh, what else do we have happening? Uh, Yeah, this thing called the NBA Draft Thursday night. Maybe the biggest draft ever for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't think there's any doubt about it. We'll talk about that also a little bit later. And we've got more of your texts rolling in here on this Monday edition of Steel Man and Thune at noon. Home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We're coming right back. Keep it here. Hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Autos Auto Group, Paul's Valley, Exit 72. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. And again, great service after the sale. Uh, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Can't beat that guarantee. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Uh, if you would say there are, there are a couple essential things you think the Sooners need to do uh, for this 2023 class, you know, to to keep the momentum going in the right direction and to end up with the top 10 class, what would those two things be right now that you think are imperative? Two oh, pl- that's a good question. Two I'm players my- or? 
Yeah, okay. So I'll, t- I'll tell you this much, Mike. I, uh, I have a cough drop in the back of my throat right now. I'm actively performing voice rehab. So That's a good I'm move. Try to, we can't yeah, tell. Yeah, I'm going to try to keep good. my tone relatively, uh, relatively stable here so as to avoid any straining. But with regard to the 2023 class for Oklahoma, for me, one of the biggest things, and I mentioned it before, is – I think it's not often that I point to a single player, especially if that player is not upper echelon nationwide in terms of talent. You know, you're talking about a high end five star. It's not often that I will point to a single player that isn't in that category as a must get for Oklahoma. But I really feel like they have to get Makari Vickers out of Tallahassee. And that has to do with a couple of factors. One being that he has a pre-existing relationship with Jay Valai that goes back to Valai's days at Alabama. He's got an excellent relationship with Keon Brown, the Sooners' four-star wide receiver commit, and Brown is pushing very, very hard to get Vickers to join him in Norman. And moreover, when you look at what kind of momentum that would garner, what kind of precedent that would set for Oklahoma to pull a top 100 national prospect at the defensive back position out of SEC territory, that would be a legitimate statement for Oklahoma on the recruiting trail in Brent Venable's first cycle. So I think that is one of the guys that is a keystone in this class for Oklahoma. That's one of the guys that you look at and say, okay, OU has to win that battle. That could be the difference between the number five recruiting class in the 2023 cycle and, say, the number 12 recruiting class in the 2023 cycle. Makari Vickers alone isn't going to make that big of a difference, but if you can win that type of a battle, how many more ancillary battles, how many other battles on the trail are you going to be able to win if you can demonstrate that you're capable of winning a battle like that going to head, head-to-head against programs like Alabama and Michigan? So that is one that I have long circled and pinpointed as a battle that OU needs to come out on top of on the trail in this 2023 cycle. Beyond that, man, I think the biggest question is what becomes of the wide receiver room. And you have Keon Brown committed. Mention him. A lot of people concerned with the offensive line recruiting right now. I'm not. I think the Sooners are in line to get Caden Green. I think they're in line to get Peyton Kirkland. They already have Josh Bates committed. If you can tack on the likes of, say, a Jaden Chapman or a Logan Howland to that hall, then you feel really good about what you have at your disposal amongst the offensive line room. And moreover, the Sooners haven't needed to recruit superb offensive linemen in the last few years to be able to feel pretty confident about what they're rolling out. You take a look at their lineup heading into 2022, they're going to have Chris Murray at right guard. They're going to have McCade Mattire at left guard. They're going to have Wanya Morris at right tackle. Three of their five offensive line starters for what should be an excellent offensive line group are transfers. For me, wide receiver is the question because, look, OU leads for Jaquazi Petaway right now. I don't think it's a slam dunk that they get him, but things are trending in that direction. If you get Petaway and you're able to keep Cole Adams home and keep him from going to Arkansas or Alabama, and maybe you get a guy like Mikhail Harrison Pilot as well, or an Anthony Evans, for instance. I think if you can score a couple of high-profile, high-impact wide receivers, and you can put together 
a class of three or four blue chip prospects at that position, that sets you up so much better as you prepare to make the transition to the SEC to be able to recruit blue chip offensive talent. Not that I think Oklahoma is ever going to be ever going to struggle with that, but I think that's going to de-emphasize the reliance on transfers that you are seeing on the offensive side of the ball for Oklahoma as of late, particularly at the wide receiver position, because they just added J.J. Hester. They just added L.V. Bunkley-Shelton. And so as you, as you think about what this Oklahoma wide receiver room has become, there aren't a whole lot of homegrown guys in the picture right now that you can look years down the road and say, okay, that guy's going to have an impact. That guy's going to be a big-time player for Oklahoma. There are high expectations for Jaden Gibson. Sure, but you you maybe have one more year of Marvin Mims. You have one year, maybe two, of Drake Stoops remaining. You probably only have one more year of Theo Weiss. What does the picture look like beyond this year at wide receiver for Oklahoma? I think at the end of the day, you can cobble together a fine receiving core with transfers. But what you'd like to be able to do is get your own guys in the stable, develop them, figure out a way to tailor your offense to their skill set, and unleash havoc on the SEC with the passing attack as soon as you make that transition. So I would say Macari Vickers and wide receiver recruiting are the two biggest areas of focus for me in this recruiting class for OU. All right, back on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, recruiting top flight players. It's all about the dollars. OU will never be able to match the dollars that Texas A&M and the Longhorns do. I think there's more to it down below, Connor. Uh, okay, also, can you guys give us an update on how Porter and the Sooner basketball team are doing on the recruiting trail? Please and thank you. Well, they just got the kid Jacob Cole from Branson, Missouri, right? Uh, who's a four-star. And then, uh, you know, other, other than that, it's been transfer portal stuff with Grant Sherfield and Joe Bamisil, the kid from uh, uh, Wolford coming in, uh, Sam Godwin. And then they've got the two four-stars coming in, uh, Otega Owe and uh, Milos Izan. And uh, Luke Norweather, of course, the big kid, that looks like kind of a raw prospect, but 6'9", and can shoot it pretty well, uh, who recently committed. So anything else, you know, on the uh, Sooner basketball recruiting? As far as basketball is concerned, no, not a whole heck of a lot. Obviously, getting Jacoby Cole is big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the reality for Porter Moser at this point in his career at Oklahoma, especially as he kind of continues to cut his teeth as a Power 5 basketball coach, is he's going to have more of a reliance on transfers over the first few years of his tenure at Oklahoma than would otherwise become the norm. Because if you're going to recruit high-end talent, and that's so much more difficult in the sport of basketball than it is in football, because there are so few true difference makers on the recruiting trail. There are so few high school basketball players that can become immediate impact guys at the collegiate level. You're you're dealing with a much smaller pool of talent. So in order to be able to effectively recruit those types of players, you have to build a reputation as a guy that's going to get, and as a program that's going to get to the NCAA tournament year in and year out. And you're going to have the opportunity to go deep. And the quickest way 
And the most efficient way to do that right now is to bring in transfers, proven transfers, like Grant Sherfield, like Joe Bamisil, that can come in and be plug-and-play options and help a team at the University of Oklahoma win 20, 25 games, get to the tournament, and be in position to maybe make a run to the Sweet 16, maybe even to the Elite 8. And once you establish that as the norm year after year, then you're going to get elite high school basketball prospects looking your way. But you have to establish that first. Oh, and also, I know we talked about it in the first hour with baseball. It applies to basketball as well. If you don't have top-end facilities and you don't have top-end uh training rooms, workout equipment, everything that goes into your development as an athlete, if you don't have that to offer to a prospective student-athlete, then you're not going to have nearly as much chance of landing them as a program like Duke or Kentucky or North Carolina or Kansas that can offer all of that in addition to tradition and prestige. So we're going to have to see upgrades made and improvements made to Oklahoma's basketball facilities if Porter Moser is going to start landing five-star caliber talent uh, from the basketball recruiting realm. All right. Uh, once again, we got to take a break. We've got more rolling in on the Air Comfort Solutions uh, text line. <clears throat> now it's coming over. You see, now I've got it. All the way from Nebraska to here. Crackling voice. Not good. All right. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. And uh, we've got another segment left. We'll get as many as we can in when we get back here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Okay, one final segment with a Monday edition of Steelman and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. And uh, once again, hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. A great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. That's what you'll experience at the Seth Wadley Auto Group and service after the sale. Oil changes and engines for life. Brought to you by newer used gas or diesel. And that is a great guarantee. Oil changes, engines, for life, newer used gas or diesel. No additional cost to you. I just like repeating that because I'm a man who has uh, murdered a couple engines in my day. Guilty as charged. Yeah, it, I'm not a smart car man. All right, does Travis Davidson – all right, click on that one, Connor, down below. I'd like to have control of that, but I'm afraid I would tell somebody to be quiet or something like I did last week. More than that. Uh, does Travis Davidson still have a job at the ref after being caught on TV at the Arkansas game? Dressed in OU gear doing the wool pig suey with a bunch of hog fans. Really? Do you know anything about that, Parker? Oh, yeah. You didn't You didn't see this circulating on Twitter? Mike? I did not. I didn't have a – I tried to stay off Twitter this weekend because I had a bunch of stuff to watch. And I was trying to watch the OU game, and then we went to a movie Saturday. So I did not see – somehow that slipped through. And then I was getting 9 million texts yeah, the other day. Yeah, I was so, trying to watch so the he, OU game. Yeah, so here's the deal. Travis Travis has caught a lot of flack on both social media and just around Omaha here at the College World Series for being caught on ESPN's live broadcast of the Arkansas game calling the hogs with the Razorback faithful. Mm. It was uh, not uh, 
not one of the finer moments in his journalistic career. I'm sure he would concur with that. Hmm. Uh, although, he, here's the thing. People are very upset. Has, They're very upset. I'm seeing well, it now. Yes, I, however, you must also consider he has some family ties to the University of Arkansas, so it's somewhat forgivable, and I do somewhat sympathize with him because, I mean, look, right? I, I grew up going to Creighton basketball games here in Omaha. Right? Wait a minute. If, wait a minute. Got, now, wait a minute. You tell me that Travis Davidson is hogtied. Is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes, correct. But like, l- listen, Mike. If I got caught on camera at a Creighton basketball game cheering on the Blue Jays, would there be such an uproar? Probably not. I understand circumstances are different because Oklahoma is playing for the same crown that Arkansas is also playing for, so maybe that factors into it. Uh, but yes, Travis has been the target of plenty of social media flack, as well as just flack from passersby here in Omaha in the aftermath of the clip that circulated of him calling the hogs in Omaha. Yeah, that's kind of rare that it would pass by me. I usually see all that stuff. But I I decided to take an approach this weekend. I wasn't going to look as much. I don't know why. Like I said, we were in the theater for a while, and then I was watching. We were watching a series, and I was watching the OU game on my phone, which I can get a great view on my phone. Because, you know, if I watched every sporting event just down in the in the living room, then the wife and I would never have any time together. So I said, you know what? We can watch our series, and I can watch OU Notre Dame right here on the phone. And that's what I did. So, But this, uh, this one slipped by me. I'm a little embarrassed by that. I usually know that stuff. I mean, if there's ever a guy that's up with social media that loves it, it's me. Not really. So, anyway. Okay, uh, I was listening to the Stanford baseball play-by-play guy. Thank God for Toby Rowland. Yes, absolutely. And I and look, I've never heard the Stanford play-by-play guy, but all I know is T-Row is really, really, really good. <laughs> Travis should be taken to Singapore and caned. <laughs> Who is the American kid that, like, got caught – doing something over there, and they did cane him. Uh, it was like through chewing gum on the street or something like that. God, what was that kid's name? Long time ago. I, 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 I don't know. You're asking I don't need, the you were, you were probably like three years old at the time when that story came out, I believe. But I still remember that being a big deal. Okay, uh, we've got one minute left, so let me tell you about Riverwind. Great job. And uh, locked in coming up with uh, Parker. Parker, go rest your boys for five minutes. Uh, but gladly, River, yeah, I know you need it. You need it. Uh, it's tough powering through, but Riverwind Casino, we've got another Beats and Bites show coming up in July. The Randy Rogers Band, July 9th. They had a great turnout for Everclear, Sister Hazel, Deep Blue, something. Make your reservations, get your tickets now. Riverwind.com. The individual tickets are only five bucks a piece. Randy Rogers Band, July 9th. Not only great music, but a spectacular fireworks display afterwards you'll have a great time all the great local food trucks are out there you'll love it out at riverwind with beats and bites 2022 get your tickets online at riverwind.com right now another reason why riverwind is simply the best locked in is coming up next good job connor we'll see you tomorrow have a great monday